Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Brick by Brick 365, a podcast that aims to build your knowledge one brick at a time. My name is Tyler Johnson. I'm a financial advisor just outside of the Boston area. I'm interviewing business owners and CEOs from all around to help educate, inspire, and grow your insights into the business world by looking at where they started and the journeys that they have gone through. Welcome back to another episode of Brick by Brick 365. Um, with us today, we have Ira. He's going to give us a little bit of background on his estate planning firm in the Boston area. Ira, why don't you just give us a little background, introduce yourself um, as we get started. Hi, Tyler. First, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate the chance to reach out to your audience. So my name is Ira Grohlman. I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney in Massachusetts since 1990. Um, I have a small firm located in the Back Bay of Boston, where we concentrate on a number of things. One of them is estate planning, and that's an outgrowth of some work that I do uh, as the public administrator for Suffolk County. Um, I was appointed by the governor a number of years ago to probate estates for people who don't have wills or family. They die without either, but still have assets, and those assets need to be taken care of. Someone needs to go into the house and marshal up the assets, sell them, and take, take care of those assets. And probating an estate, dealing with a decedent's assets goes hand in hand with estate plan- planning. So I think they're rather complementary. They're uh, either extreme of uh, the same spectrum. I always say, especially in the, the line of work that, that we're in, it's a very key piece to the plan. It's where a lot of, I would say there's a lot of emotion kind of tied to it. So I'd be curious, you know, I mean, do you see a massive difference in the conversations of people that, you know, have an experience where there wasn't a will set up and that's creating some urgency for them? Or I guess, when are people taking that step to look into a will or an estate um, in their life? A common theme that I've noticed in working with people to get a will done, other estate planning documents, is that no one wants to do it. Apologies to dentists, but it's like going to the dentist, right? No, no one looks forward to it. No one wants to, um, no one wants to do it. I think everyone recognizes that it's an important piece of being responsible because if you don't have a will, you kind of leave a mess for people to survive you. And people are resistant. And sometimes, and in some cases, I've worked with people for years to, to get it done. Um, I, try not to be too much of an irritant to people. I follow up, but I try not to be too much of a pain. But yeah, people don't want to do it. Um, and because of that, there are a lot of emotions. There, um, there are, uh, there's a lot of resistance. Uh, typically, on the estate probate side of things, uh, the survivors are often in distress, as you can imagine. Um, and so I try to um, ease that burden by explaining as best as I can uh, and making the process as smooth as possible. I'd be curious, Ira, because you see it a little bit more regularly, you know, from a, a will standpoint, I mean, is there a starting point or are there more stages? Can people come in at different stages of life or do you tend to see them start at the same, same point? Often people come to see me when they have their first child. And I always tell people that you should re-examine your need for an estate plan at life cycle events. 
when there are signposts that sort of signal to you, oh, this is a change in my life. Um, but having a child is a really important uh, mile marker because that's the point where you have to start thinking about what happens if I predecease my child, uh, both parents die, and you have a young child who needs, um, there needs to be some direction as to uh, who should have custody and guardianship of that child. So that seems to be a, a fairly common entry point for estate planning. Gotcha. But you don't, you don't have to wait until uh, you, you have a baby to start thinking about where you want your stuff to go. Makes sense. That tends to be the, the light bulb that a lot of people get, right, is, is right around when they, they have their first child. I'd be curious, not as, as a, a scare tactic, but more so just, you know, to, to get the audience more engaged with the importance or relevance behind it. What, I'd be curious if you wanted to walk through, like, what happens if somebody doesn't have a will set up? If you don't have a will, the law actually has written one for you. There are a series of laws in Massachusetts and in, in other states uh, as well, every state, um, which set up what happens if you don't have a will. It specifies where your stuff will go. Now, the reason why you'd want a will and you'd want to override what the wills, what the, the law provides is because you might not want that to happen. Right? If you have, if you have um, a significant other in your life that you want to have receive your assets in, in the event of your death, the law won't provide for that. Right? It basically shorthand splits between your parents and your siblings and it gets more complicated if you have neither. Um, but basically it is dependent upon um, degrees of kinship and um, it, it, it follows uh, sort of the genealogical uh, tree as to who, who gets your assets. But that might not be what you want. You might want to leave a certain amount of money uh, to a charity or you might want to leave certain assets to one relative and not to another. And so if you want to defeat the... Um, the will called intestacy that the law provides for you, if you don't have a formal written will, then you need to sit down with a lawyer uh, to, to draft one up. Uh, there are a lot of things that people can do on their own without lawyers, um, but writing a will is not one that I'd, uh, I'd suggest. Yeah, what I'm hearing kind of from that is, is if you don't have a will versus having one is this Really, this is more more control, right, or, or personalization behind it outside of, you know, just blood relatives or the family, you know, tree in a sense. That's exactly right. And, and in addition to that, um, on the probate side of the equation, which is presenting your estate to the court to ensure that um, your assets are passed either according to the law of intestacy or, or your will, uh, the process is a lot more streamlined if you have a will rather than leave it to intestacy. Um, is there any way just, you know, for example, I would assume if somebody didn't have a will, the only time they're thinking about it is when this scenario plays out um, or they're in massive need for, for something. Is there ever any, any way to kind of go back or create a will after the fact? To create a will uh, after a person is deceased? No. Uh, but what I do want to 
circle back and say, and I think it's important, is that people oftentimes are under the impression that if you don't have a will, the money go, somehow goes to the state. And, you know, Charlie Baker will be cash, cashing in your insurance. And, and that's not going to happen at all. In, some, in, in one way, it does go to the state. It does go to the state because uh, the state will, if you don't have any uh, identifiable relatives, um, the, the state will take the money and will hold it forever in trust for you. So um, the, in olden times, governments did get assets of a deceased person, but that doesn't happen here. And that's not, that shouldn't be a concern. Gotcha. Gotcha. And if, if the, the state is holding, you know, those dollars, is there a way for somebody to find them in a sense? Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll sometimes see advertisements um, for find mass money. Um, and it's a great resource. I'm going to check the website. I believe it's findmassmoney.com. And we can add that link to, um, to the post as well. Thank you. It, it, it is findmassmoney.com, all one word. And you can type in your name or anyone's name and find out if the Commonwealth is holding funds for you because of a dormant account, because of a bequest and a will, because of the safety deposit box that uh, has um, not been taken care of. There are a whole range of assets, and it's a really valuable resource um, for people to see um, whether you have uh, any assets under your name. Never hurts, right? <laughs> In simple terms, uh, if you find some free money, there's nothing wrong with that. How, how far back would that go? I mean, in simple terms, if I looked up something like that and, and found my name, is, it, is there a generational ticker to it? Yeah, so as far as that goes, um, if you were to find say, an account in the name of your grandparents, if they're no longer alive, um, and you had the appropriate documentation from the court, you could make a claim for them. This is money that's inviolate. Uh, it's never going to be dispersed to anyone other than the rightful owners or descendants of the owners. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I think that's a, a very important takeaway. Um, again, the fine mass money, I think, is just a simple exercise that lets you know kind of the unknown in simple terms of, of what could be out there, or what is out there um, sure. from your, from your family, which is great. And you don't have to do it just for yourself. You know, you can certainly type in your name, but you can type in anyone's name to see what's out there. Gotcha. More unusual name, the more unusual name that you have, the, uh, the more specific the results are going to be. Gotcha. Any, um, might be a good time. Any success stories from that, just from past experience on, on your end uh, that you think might be relevant to share? Success stories, uh, I, I, I interpret to mean, have I been able to claim from mass money? Yes, many, many times for clients. Gotcha. Are there um, a lot of scenarios where the claims don't get, get validated? Or is it usually if, if you're seeing it come up and there's you know, an opportunity to make a claim, do you see that it usually is validated? Or are there a lot of scenarios where you know, it ends up they, they decline the claim? And this terms? is a database that's extraordinarily well managed. Um, so... If you see a claim there um, and you have the appropriate documentation, then, then there won't be an issue. And, and it's, there's not a lot of proverbial red tape. The people who administer it are terrific. I work closely with them and I'm impressed by what, what they're able to do. Uh, circling back again to success stories, um, 
what I do as part of my work as a public administrator um, is to find errors using genealogists uh, for claims that exist uh, through mass money. So yes, I've been able to uh, separate the Commonwealth from, from a good chunk of change for the benefit of individuals who have had money with mass money. And last question kind of on this, because I think it is a, a very relevant piece that, you know, probably not many people know about is, is if you were to go on a mass, uh, find mass money, you know, request a claim, do you need an attorney present? Or is this something that people can do independently? Oh, it's a great question. No, you can certainly do it on your own. You, you do not need an attorney for that. Gotcha. Cool. Very you good may need an attorney for some paperwork that they require. So, for example, if we circle back to um, a comment I made about relatives of yours, if you find their name on fine mass money, um, it's possible that uh, the administrators might want probate documents from the court gotcha. showing that uh, that person is actually deceased and so forth. You might need that. But you absolutely don't need an attorney to go on or to process it. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And when, you know, from your, your story, like when did becoming a public administrator, when did this kind of come to tuition for you in your journey? You would think, Tyler, this is one of those uh, questions I might be prepared for. I, <laughs> I, if you're asking me how long have I been a public administrator, I think I've been appointed for, for four terms of five years each, but I'm a little hazy on that. And I think um, one thing around this public administrator mindset that, that might be unique for, for the audience is just how you get appointed behind it and um, as well as just when that review period is for you, if you want to shed some light on it. I thought that was super unique when you were sharing with me. Yeah, so it's an application process to uh, serve as um, a public administrator like many posts that are uh, open and available in, in the Commonwealth. You know, even judges have to fill out an application form. But three or four times I've applied uh, to the governor and um, you provide a wealth of information and there's uh, an interview process and um, at some point uh, I, I was lucky and, and, and honored to be uh, appointed and then reappointed. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary honor. I take it very seriously. And I know you, you mentioned this to me, but how many um, public administrators are appointed um, in the state? So it varies by county. There are either, I think there are approximately five in Suffolk, um, maybe the same in Middlesex, and uh, the smaller population counties have two or three. Awesome. So, you know, very unique, you know, um, small group that you're a part of. Um, and it has a very high impact and it's very important, um, which I think is, is very eye-opening. A lot of people don't know about it, right? But more importantly, I think, you know, is a, a good testament to you and the firm that you have is, is having this value point as well um, beyond that. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's fascinating work um, to be able to sort of peer into life of someone you don't know and to, honor that person and respect and, and, and to be able to, to respect them. And uh, part of that process is finding relatives and to liquidate their assets and keep those that are, uh, you know, most intimate to, to give to relatives like photographs. I always yeah. try to uh, save uh, photo albums for, for relatives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I had to guess, um, 
it probably gives you a lot more conviction to just, you know, the practice that you're in right now as well, seeing the lack of planning or the back end side and how you're able to kind of fix or, or hunt down or chase down the, the rightful errors and things like that versus people that already have a lot of this established that you're, you're helping them set up. So, well, that's true. I'm basically the cautionary tale. I've never said this to a client and I don't expect it, <laughs> but the idea is that you don't, you don't want me, um, administering, administrating your estate as a public administrator. Yeah. I, I, you, you wear two hats. You'd like me to be wearing the right one versus the other one. <laughs> right. Um, awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing uh, a lot of that IRUGS. I think just from an estate planning side, there's just a lot of things that people don't naturally know about. And I think it's important because it is a, a big key to your plan um, that a lot of people should be aware of. Um, pivoting a little bit, I, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper of just, you know, your journey or, or how you got to where you are and, and why you're maybe doing what you are doing. Um, so shedding some light a little bit on that and, and you know, we could kind of start from the beginning uh, wherever you, hit, you feel like it, this journey might have started for you. But, you know, I mean, fill me in a little bit on your, your timeline from, you know, where, where this all started to, to leading up to kind of present day. Is there any kind of key components that have come into that that have helped, you know, really shape where you're at now? Sure. Well, I started my life as a lawyer in, um, in a law firm. I was there for a couple of years. Um, and at some point, I confided to a friend that I wanted to start my own practice. And he said that he might want to as well. And we joined forces and we opened up the prior iteration of my current firm. It's, it's not what it's called now because um, my, my partner has since retired and left. But there were in the beginning um, a lot of very slow days. And I had to fill them with reaching out for, for clients in, in a way that's consistent with what our ethical rules require. Um, they've loosened up a bit in more recent years, but, you know, um, lawyers are really constrained uh, to, in the form of advertising and solicitation. So what I was doing back then was speaking to civic groups um, and um, trying to find a, a client base that way. Absolutely. And I, I think, especially from like the generational sides, it, wasn't easy <laughs> back then. It was a lot of the communities who you knew, you know, the markets, the networks that you were a part of. Um, you know, I'd be curious if there maybe one or two key groups or key movements that that helped kind of take that next step for your business um, from the early stages to now. Was it a group that you were a part of when it was a Commonwealth or, or things of that nature that you think had a big impact kind of get the ground running for you? Well, I did do a lot of um, speaking to community groups libraries, um, uh, number of um, church groups. I think what was really key for me when I, we started the firm was print advertising, which I, I don't do any today because I, I think it's still expensive and um, you know, your, your Google AdWords is such much better value and so much more immediate. And, you know, the tools that are available today, whether it's a podcast like this or uh, a YouTube channel or um, any, other, any other method of reaching out to people on the internet just wasn't available when I started. So I, I'm really um, 
amazed by what people can accomplish with on with short dollars to reach people today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, back then we were doing a lot of, you know, in-person marketing events, you know, we were doing a lot of printed advertising, you know, if we were to get a glimpse of, of how you're branding yourself now, like what, what has changed? Are you guys doing anything in particular or is it our client base is large enough where we're just getting referrals from the people we've already helped? So, um, when I first started, it, it was all print advertising and there's a huge lag time um, between um, placing the ad and uh, waiting for enough impre eye impressions to see it and then start calling. I also did um, radio advertisements, which were, uh, which never seemed terribly effective for me. Um, so, um, but it, it was also totally contextual. I mean, those choices that I made uh, were temporarily appropriate. I'm not sure I do them today. <laughs> I haven't done print advertising in, 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 a, in a long time. They were effective then. And um, yeah, if someone who does uh, SEO management and Google AdWords management for me today, that's, that's how I reach people typically. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think especially nowadays, this big mindset from the entrepreneur side is, is the branding, the marketing, you know, the, the just building your value ads in a sense um, over time. Um, I think nowadays it, it can be easier. There are more sources or, or leverageable points, but I think it is important to kind of take that step back. Like you were saying, and you know, these are business expenses. Like you're, you're putting money towards this to hopefully outcome some profit or some revenue for the business and making sure when you're making these decisions, you're, you're weighing out the opportunity cost behind it, which it sounds like you were doing a lot. Um, you know, we weren't just advertising to advertise. We were trying to be very strategic to what's important and what's relevant for the space we're in, um, which I think is, is, is very important um, as well. When I first started out, I, I spent a fair amount of time because I had a lot of free time. Um, I would create a lot of what I thought were catchy and hopefully amusing print ads. And I, and I tried to differentiate the firm that in the sense that we were poking fun at ourselves and having, having fun and estate planning doesn't have to be uh, dry as sawdust. Um, and, I, and I was hoping that created a, a moment of differentiation. I had no idea if I did or not. Gotcha. But that's, that's not anything that I, I, I do today. So I always look to the free time aspect as the toughest piece, right? When we have free time, it's, we want to fill it with things that are revenue, profit, or right. things like that. And, you know, I'd be curious what you were doing in your free time when you first started versus if you even have free time now, <laughs> what, are you, what, are, what are those topics that maybe you're working on now if you do have, you know, a free day or free time in a sense? Is it still the same? Are you still focused on, you know, the marketing side and, or is it a little bit different now that you're a little more established? Right. So, um, I used to, I used to spend a fair amount of time producing my own podcast and, um, and, and it's been, a, it's, it's gotten stagnant. It's been a while since I've done that. I, I'm still amazed that, um, there's still traffic to them even though there's, they're, they're, they're somewhat antiquated at this point. Um, but I would spend a fair amount of time thinking about where the next client was coming from and, um, 
developing schemes for for finding the next client. Um, right now, I rely on uh, an SEO manager and uh, a Google Click person to uh, to deliver leads for me. Pivoting a, a little bit, one more time, I'd love to you know take a. a reflection back a little bit for you is, you know, you, you're at that point where you are a little bit more established. You know, we've, we've kind of gotten through, uh, knock on wood, the, the beginning stages where we're feeling pretty good about, you know, what we've built and what we've created. Um, I'd be curious on your end, whether it's from the beginning, from current stage, like what, what have you learned or what are some of your takeaways just through your journey, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint? Um, so, one thing that has not changed for me is my um, responsiveness to clients. Um, when I first started, I, I would be all over someone who called me because um, in, in, in all likelihood, that would be the, the only client that I had. I still like to do that because I want every client that I have to feel like they're the only client. So if a Google AdWord lead comes in at two o'clock in the morning and my phone buzzes, I won't call them, but I'll certainly send an email um, because I, I want to feel, I want my clients to feel as though they're being heard. Absolutely. I think that's super important because um, as we progress, right, we bring on more and more and more clients. We want to make sure we're, we're, we're following through on the promises that we vocalized to them. There gets to be, right. you know, a windspan that you can only do so much. Um, have you expanded your team for those touch points or is it all still you know, primarily coming from you? My team is larger, but my clients deal with, with me. And, and I think that's a, a very big, like unique kind of add to you know, the firm that, that you guys have is you know, from a personal standpoint, referring business, it is very eye-opening, but encouraging to know that you know, if we're referring you know, your firm, they are getting IRA. Um, and it's, it, it, there may be other people along the way, but it's not somebody else and they're never seeing the, the main figure, right? You're very much involved and engaged, which I think just alludes to probably having better hands-on relationships, right? Making clients feel a lot more comfortable and open with, you know, the process that they're going through, I think is super important. Um, and it's probably a great add value add from, from your, your practice thus far. I, I hope so. I, I want my clients to feel like they're well taken care of, um, like they're not being ignored as though they're being heard because they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know if that differentiates me. My expectation is that most, that's something that most attorneys want and, and provide. Absolutely. And I would say as long as you can, can do it, there, there's no reason not to, because I think the clients deserve that aspect. And, you know, there's a lot that comes from it, which is great. Any, any advice that you would give, you know, reflecting back on your end for another entrepreneur, whether it is somebody, you know, in the, the, the law space or it's somebody just, you know, starting out in general, um, any just entrepreneurial advice that maybe you've reflected on, you know, some things that we've heard in the past are, um, you know, things like just, just keep going, right. Have, have a big why, right. Know what you're doing, you know, things along those lines, but I'd be curious just on, on your end, is there anything that, you know, you've done consistently, throughout your journey or any advice pieces you give to, you know, somebody starting out? Yeah, I'm not sure I would presume to give anyone else entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial advice because uh, a lot of what I've done has been 
you know, through great luck and stumbling through it. I mean, very happily. Um, but what I said before, I'll, I'll echo in that is, I try to make sure that my clients uh, feel that I'm being responsive to them. And that's something that I like as a consumer. And so when I think about the experience that my clients are getting, I put myself in their shoes and think about how would I feel as a consumer? Um, I'm a demanding consumer. And I, and, and, and I assume that my clients are as well. And so I, I try to think about what that experience is like and adjust so that they're getting the best possible experience because, you know, they're buying a service. Yes, it's, it's a profession, but people are plunking down money and I want to make sure that people feel it's well spent. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the big things is product versus service. And I think the service aspect is you're, you're not setting something up and forgetting about the person or the prospect because like you said, I mean, you want to be engaged enough where a will and a state like things change through life changes, life events, and you don't have that consistent touch points. There probably are scenarios where, you know, a client doesn't know that I should bring this up, right? Or it is relevant to talk about. And I think having those constant touch points, being more engaged or involved in their life just alleviates the chase in a sense, because you're, you're sitting on the same side of the table with them and their, their concerns and your concerns. And you're that resource that can help, which I think is super impactful. I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> the last thing, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up is, you know, you've been doing this for, for, for quite some time now. I'd just be curious, you know, on your end, like whether it stemmed from when you started or maybe it's shaped to where you're at now, like why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, I love what I do. Awesome. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy every aspect of it. And, um, I like, I like helping people, impacting people, uh, sharing something that's pat that I'm passionate about and, you know, doing it in a way that everyone can feel good about. Gotcha. Did this passion to this specific avenue stem from anywhere or has it always been kind of on your radar? What a great question. I, I think of all, I think from the moment I started law school, I was always intrigued by wills and trusts and decedents' estates and the process of probate, something that has always appealed to me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I find, at least on, on my end, I, I liked helping people and I liked money. And then I kind of figured out like what avenue is, is going to get the best of both worlds, in a sense. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, we, we realize we get enough broad education but really, once you take that step into what you're passionate about or what you're interested in, you now start to figure out like what avenue is, is, is most fitting. And, you know, for you coming from law school, I think, you know, knowing that it was the, the wills, the estate side of things is super impactful. And you follow through with it, which probably helped you continue to, to keep your head down through, through some tough days early on um, to hit that, that end stage or end, end result. Is there anything up and coming, anything next, anything that you're shooting for, you know, as a firm or even just as a, a person? Have <laughs> <laughs> um, we made it? Are we good? Right. We're just, well, you know, like everyone else, I want to put the, uh, the pandemic behind me and uh, start going back to actual court as opposed to Zoom court, seeing my colleagues, um, feeling, uh, you know, not that we have normalized this very strange 
uh, environment that we're all enduring, but I'd like to get back to uh, port and um, putting all, all of this craziness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I can only imagine my sister tells me a decent amount on the virtual court side is and it's a little uh, <laughs> a little different, I'd say. Yeah, at the very is. least. <laughs> Convenient in some ways, but uh, I, I, I miss the experience of, of going in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. You know, I mean, as we're, we're wrapping up here, obviously the audience is going to be very broad, whether it's on your end or, or ours. Um, you know, if there are any takeaways from somebody and something, you know, resonates well, where, where would somebody be able to go and find you? So sure. You can check out our website at, uh, Grohlman, G-R-O-L-M-A-N-L-L-P.com. Um, you can also go to publicadministrator.org, one word, or you can call me at 617-859-8966 at any time. And he um, will pick up. Well. <laughs> there we go. Um, or he'll send you a text at 2 a.m. There we go, right? <laughs> not, not unsolicited, I promise. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. We'll, we'll post all of those um, when we launch the episode on, on, on our tags. Um, so if you are looking to, you know, set up an estate or will, or even just learn a little bit more about the process or when the right time would be, um, feel free to reach out to myself or, um, look for the tags, you know, that Ira just provided. Um, but again, Ira, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, any kind of closing remarks, anything before we wrap up? Taylor, it's so fun. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You ask a lot of insightful questions, uh, some of which I've never thought about before. So thanks for being, uh, for permitting me to be a little introspective. And it was a really fun experience. Perfect. I'm letting you share this with, uh, with your listeners. Awesome. No, I'm glad. And again, appreciate you taking the time. I think especially this topic in particular, I think is something that's important to, to be heard and, you know, know that, you know, where to start, I think is, is, is what a lot of people look for. Thank you for listening to another episode of Brick by Brick 365. If you're wondering why I sound a little bit different than Tyler, that's because I'm actually not Tyler. My name is Kyle Chandler, and I edit the podcast along with manage our various social media pages. It really is the viewers and listeners like yourself that help get the word out there for our podcast, and we really do appreciate you guys listening to it and spreading the word. So thank you. If you like our content and would like to listen to more of it, feel free to follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our podcast, and turn on post notifications. That way you never miss anything. We also just recently added a LinkedIn and Facebook page where you can find similar content and connect people with our page and spread the word if you'd like. Thank you again so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. Tune in in two weeks to check out what we have next. You guys won't want to miss this next episode. It's a real good one. See you then when we continue to build your knowledge one brick at a time.